How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Don't Quote Me. I'm your host, Orla Condon, and this week I'm joined by journalist and broadcaster Jen Gannon, who has written and contributed for some of Ireland's biggest publishers and networks. A regular guest on My Pot on Paper, Jen is also an encyclopedia of knowledge on all things reality TV and pop culture. Coming up on today's show, Aaron Carter found dead in his LA home at the age of just 34. Johnny Depp secures a guest slot in Rihanna's upcoming Savage by Fenty show. Love is Blind season three nears its end, but not without facing fresh controversy. And as people begin abandoning Twitter, we're discussing what is going on at the now Elon Musk owned social media platform. In other news, Jen is sharing the true crime drama series that has her gripped. I finally binged Netflix's The Mole, and we're hearing who you think is the worst reality TV star of all time. And yes, I've seen you all tagging me in the meme about taking 40 minutes to start an episode. So with that, let's get stuck in. All right, so we have a mixed bag of stories this week. feel like it's going to be a little bit down in energy given just some of the stories that we're discussing but we're going to try and break it up with some other stuff that we can get into and have a bit of a laugh with the first story full transparency will not be that um news broke over the weekend of the death of Aaron Carter uh who is teen heartthrob from the 90s and noughties I personally didn't have much of an awareness of his career other than his appearances on Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Lizzie McGuire and that kind of stuff but still more notably I suppose for people here, given his relation to Nick Carter or Backstreet Boys fame. Discussing all the stories with me this week, Jen Gannon, how are you? Pop culture Hello. enthusiast, how are you doing? Good. How, how did this story affect you? And what was your relationship like with Aaron Carter? Did you have any kind of links to him as a teenager or a child? I had none. Um, I was a little bit too... I wasn't that... Like, he was a child, first of all, like when... He started, yeah. he was like a nine-year-old, I think it was, like when his first single came out. So it was like, I was too, I was not in that frame of 
teeny bopper way of or pre teeny yeah. way of mind like at that time. And I just think, you know, what I do remember him for is like back in the day, like the early noughties kind of time when gossip sites were just so different and they really yeah. just went for the face like uh, Perez Hilton, that kind of thing. And even Pop Bitch in its heyday. And he was always on there because like he was the proto, the pre-Bieber, the Bieber of that yeah. time. And I remember when really distinctly, like when he, that love triangle. So before like, you know, the Bieber's, you know, Selena Haley kind of love triangle, there was the love triangle between um, Aaron Carter and um, Lindsay Lohan and um, who Hilary else Duff, was it? wasn't it? Hilary Duff, yeah. yeah. And it was really weird. Like I remember like it was really intense because they were all so young. They were yeah. all just like, when you, you forget that they were just kind of teenagers and they were like, you know, ripe for people to really take the piss out of. But I remember that got real vicious where it was like real school drama where like Hillary and Lindsay Lohan would have to see each other at premieres and they were like disinviting each other to premieres, saying nasty things behind each other's back, to, like to the press and stuff and yeah. like on TRL and stuff like that. After like about this little blonde child, like I it was know. so odd. And I remember like Pop Bitch saying one time that somebody, one of them had like gotten a tour bus. So I think it was probably... It was Lindsay Lowen's tour bus or was the other way around. I don't know, but one of them, so like say Hilary Duff was on the tour bus after Lindsay Lowen and she found like loads of stickers of Aaron Carter all over one of the book beds oh and stuff. God. So, and yeah, and it kind of cemented the fact that he had cheated on her. So like it was a part, it was supposed to be like, they, he was with Hilary Duff after like they met on Lizzie McGuire, the set of Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. And then he kind of had it off with Lindsay Lowen in the background behind the scenes and then it just caused absolute ructions. And that's wasn't like when you could like Perez Hilton was getting away with like saying yeah. like drawing cum coming out of like young girls' mouths and stuff. And it was very, it was like that kind of horrible yeah. time, but like also a fun time, like where it was like the wild west of that kind of pop culture yeah. media. And like, you know, where Paris Hilton was called in Lindsay Lowe and Fire Crotch and stuff, like that kind of time. That era, that's what I really distinctly was it was it that late? I always thought that story was so much. I thought like Hillary and Lindsay were like 16. Like I thought they were were really young. Yeah. And and maybe that's just how how we're they were positioned in our minds as well. Because like like you say, when many of these teen mostly female stars and male, like I mean, in Nick's case, are in Aaron's case as well, when they hit like 13, 14 and it kind of gotten through like the starts of puberty, that was it then. You were an adult and you could be treated as an adult and you could be sexualized like an adult and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe actually they were that age, but my memory like it feels like such a it just feels like such a weird narrative to be linked to stars of that age, just given mm, the fact that like, like 15. They were, it was real, just like fair game. It was so weird. Yeah. That era was so, like, I just think it's such a weird thing to be buying an album by like a nine-year-old in the first yeah. place to have a nine-year-old. And I know at the beginning of this, he said, oh, I wanted to be a star. I looked at my big brother and that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. And that's fair enough. But like, you know, with the long checkered history of child stars yeah. in the past, you really just want the those kind of safety, the safety net in place. And it looked like the same thing again, where you didn't come from the most stable kind of family and the family that was kind of infected by fame. And it's like another Britney situation, I really feel. And it's just yeah. extremely sad. Like 34 is no 30, age. Yeah. Like, and what think... happened to him subsequently, as you can see it going on and on and how he yeah. got further and further into addiction and stuff, it just... 
it's really heartbreaking. And I thought, you know, Hilary Duff's um, statement on it was actually really touching when she was like, yeah. wow, you know, my teenage self really loved you. And it kind of brought it back, you know, the impact that those first loves have on you and like yeah. how crazy you can be about somebody and imagine losing somebody that was your first love like and you're still you know young yourself yeah. like the shock and of then that. as well I think the links between Hilary Duff and Nick Carter or Aaron Carter apologies are similar I mean they pale in comparison just because of like the amplification of of Britney and Justin but a similar mm-hmm. type of vibe in that they were these sweethearts that everyone wanted together and like We'd all remember, even if you didn't know who he was or watch the show that much, you remember that Lizzie McGuire episode where he appeared and he did his he did his song on the show and he gave her a kiss on the cheek and it was like this big. So like there was this level of kind of interest in them as a couple, and I think it was it was one of those things that you were waiting for Hillary to make a statement, even though it's some mm. like what fifteen to twenty years later since they've been since they've been linked. Um, for people who don't have an understanding of Aaron Carter's career and kind of you know the, the touchstones from from the early days that we were just talking about, just a quick summary that he started um very very young. I think his first album was recorded when he was nine years old, like you said, Jen. Um, and he began opening for Backstreet Boys. Obviously, his older brother Nick was a, a member of Backstreet Boys. Went on a number of tours with them. Uh, and then started to build kind of a, su- a successful solo career um, during the kind of late 90s, early noughties. Um, his four albums sold millions of copies. Um, his second album in particular was called Aaron's Party, which was released in 2000. I went triple platinum. That's probably the one that most people will know. It featured singles I Want Candy, which I think he performed on Sabrina. I have a memory of him singing that on Sabrina, I think. Um, the, the title track, Aaron's Party, Come Get It. Um, and That's How I Beat Shaq was another single off of it. He went on to support Britney Spears on her Oops I Did It Again tour which I actually didn't I actually didn't realize he had made it onto those kinds of tours as well mm. I thought he had kind of stuck with Backstreet Boys and that kind of Disney Channel click yeah. um but uh, he later transitioned into rap and appeared on Broadway and he did the US version of Strictly which is Dancing with the Stars he did that a couple of years ago um since kind of his younger days I suppose his name has appeared in the press a lot for the struggles that he's, he faced with addiction and things like that he was noted to check into rehab on multiple occasions. He filed a bankruptcy petition um, in 2013, I believe, over millions of dollars of debt that he had built up over tax-related issues. Um, and then just had several run-ins with the law kind of over mostly drug-related um, instances. I think there was some there was some driving, I think reckless mm. driving or driving under the influence or something like that as well. Um, but he had spoken about in recent times, and those clips are kind of resurfacing on Twitter um, over the last couple of days about kind of wanting to rehabilitate himself and change the path that he was on even spoke about fears of dying at a young age given the lifestyle that he was living and I think a lot of this was down to uh, him welcoming his first child last year and he wanted to kind of get put in a bid for for full custody there um, like you said people have made statements um, Hilary Duff pretty soon after the news broke wrote um, I'm deeply sorry that life was so hard for you and that you had to struggle in front of the whole world you had a charm that was absolutely effervescent boy did my teenage self love you deeply sending love to your family at this time rest easy again I think she really she really hit the tone there right because mm. I, I can only imagine in those circumstances writing those kind of posts are are difficult to try and where do you place yourself as someone like Hillary? you're not closely linked but you're also in the minds of the public very closely linked exactly like you're married and you have kids and you have your own life but at the same time I think it was properly heartfelt you could tell that it was from 
you know, yeah. a, a real place of like, it's not sanitized. It's, it doesn't sound artificial. It yeah. sounds raw and, and really, I, that's why I found it so, so touching. I was thinking, you know, that is something that it's her, her real experience with him, like, and, and behind the closed doors and behind the scenes and, and what that must be like for her hearing that news. Now, Lindsay Lohan hasn't said anything as of yet. I don't think. I um, hadn't seen, no, the only other person, um, I know New Kids on the Block made a statement and a number of other friends had. Um, as of this evening, um, Nick Carter has just posted, it's Sunday evening as we record this, he just posted, I think a couple of hours ago, um, and he said, my heart is broken, even though my brother and I have a complicated relationship, my love for him has never, ever faded. I've always held on to the hope that he would somehow, someday want to walk a healthy path and eventually find the help that he so desperately needed. Sometimes we want to blame someone or something for a loss, but the truth is that addiction and mental illness are the real villains here. I will miss my brother more than anyone will ever know. I love you, baby brother. Again, like just, it's, it's so sad in, in these moments that like you imagine that kind of loss for someone that close to him and, and the age that he was and then having to actually draft a statement for social mm. media is like I think about it from and- all angles that's that's the kind of cynical part of it that's horrible because you're going yeah. through the worst possible incident that could pop- happen to you and then it's like we need to draft this comment in a very you know, nuanced way or, you know, so we're thinking about all the angles of where, yeah. you know, the public can give out about this. And it's like, who cares about the public? It's my little brother that's died. You know what I mean? And that's that's the way that it is for modern celebrity. Like you, you have to be so careful because people can interpret it. Anything, something so simplistic in the yeah. most, you know, negative way. Like, yeah. and um, I think, yeah, all, all eyes are going to be on the Carter family uh, who have had their own, you know, kind of, they're troubled in themselves and they did have a reality show before. And I think he also like they, they lost his sister as well, I think to um, addiction to drug overdose, I think as well. Uh, so it is something that's in the family. So I just, you know, yeah. it's horrible to think that this is going to be, the spotlight is going to be on them again now for, yeah. And I, you can see with the circus that happens around celebrity deaths, like everything is going to be dredged up and, you know, he's had it hard over the yeah. past, years and like I mean I think um quite vulnerable and doing things that because like the thing about it is like when we really have to look at our, ourselves and look at celebrity as a whole as a concept when you're thinking about pushing children into it if you you know we've seen Jeanette McCurdy come out with her biography yeah. this year her memoir and that is just absolutely so destroying about like you know how her mother basically, you know, abused her and forced her to remain a star and wanted her to like remain a child forever, you know, to yeah. earn money off her. Yeah. And we're all party to this now. And when you put a child in the spot like like that and then they disappear or then they grow up and we don't accept them anymore. That's the turning point. And I think to move from being a child star to then have a successful career as an adult, it's a tricky, tricky thing to do. And we know the success stories. We know the, you know, Britney in herself, but like, look at all that behind Britney um, and, you know, Justin Timberlake and people yeah. like that. But at the same time, there's the ones that don't do that transition well. And and somebody like Aaron Carter was kind of forgotten about and yeah. was kind of seen as a joke and was like, oh, please go away. And it's like, well, what can you do? What do you do yeah. then? You know, if you haven't invested in property or invested in like some kind of tech company, what do you do? Do you get a job in Sainsbury's? Like yeah. what happens to you? Like, and then what happened to him was you start going down the route of 
he ended up doing an OnlyFans account. I had an OnlyFans account in 2020 where he was auditioning for like terrible shows called like Naked Boys Singing in like Vegas. And it's such a sad, tawdry kind of life yeah. then after that. that I, but that's I, it. I it's like there's only so from. many there's only so many avenues open mm. to people in that position because you also think as well, they not that an education is everything, but that they didn't go through for the similar, same kind of formal education that most people did. They didn't rely on that as their way to kind of build a career path. They relied on the guidance of family and managers and all that kind of stuff mm. at an age where they weren't able to make decisions properly themselves. And yes, people look down their nose that all of these kind of trashy celebrity reality TV shows. But for a lot of people who have not been able to maintain the level of celebrity and fame that they once had, that is their only source of income. That is the main way that they can make a decent amount of money for kind of the foreseeable future. It'll rise their profile again for or raise their profile again for another few months. And then they can try and monetize off that. And it's exactly. And just to remind people that they're still out there, they're still doing things and maybe giving their back catalog a little bit of a bump or giving, you know, whatever they're working on now, a little bit of promotion or whatever. And like, it's just, I don't know. I feel like he did an Instagram live, I think on Halloween night. And that was kind of the last media that he did. And it was, it was actually a really harrowing watch. Like it was only, it's only a couple of minutes long, but he looked so different. And, you know, just the, the way that drugs had affected him and, it, yeah. it was miserable. It was really sad. And I think it is a cautionary tale about the safety guards that need to be put in place when you are pushing a minor into a very adult world. And we've seen it a million times. I'm trying to make money off a child. I just think it's just the weirdest thing yeah. ever. If, you know, as you said, like you're trusting managers, you're trusting all these people, these adults, yeah. and you think they have my best intentions at heart. And a lot of them don't. Like, and yeah. a lot of the parents of these kids going blindly not understanding how vicious that world is and how they can be taken advantage of in several different ways and I think he's one of the the victims of that and you know and like looking at Justin Bieber now you're kind of thinking well he's made it so far but like you know thank god he has in a way and he seems to have you know navigated his career a little bit better but you do worry about like not that I you know stay up at night thinking what's (laughs) happening to Justin Bieber but yeah you do you do consider like what what that does to you like what is your perception of life and what is your Mm. perception of wrong and right and yeah I just I feel like you these people are often safeguarded so much as children and in the way that they can be manipulated I think Jeanette McCurdy's book is a really good example of of how that is done it's thought to be for care purposes but actually it's to control and and guide people in a certain direction and you just wonder not growing up and starting to make decisions as you should at the right at the, the time in your life and you know the the independence that you naturally get as you age into different parts of your life these these people who are child stars have had such a, a disconnected relationship with that kind of independence and what does that do to you when you then get into kind of real adult life of kind of, you know mid-20s mm. onwards and what are you what does that then present itself as I mean Justin Bieber absolutely like is doing good for himself all the time, but he hasn't been totally, you know, separate from that kind of drama exactly. and controversy either. No, not at all. And that's the thing. It's like when you hit a certain age, it's like you're kind of there for the world to to really go in on. And I know he was acting out and like he was being dreadful. Don't get me wrong. There's a long stretch of history we have with Justin Bieber just being a total arsehole. But yeah. at the same time, 
Um, there has to be something. I don't know what way you can move forward on this because like part of me is going, do you need to have a nine year old releasing an album? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No matter if they want to so much, does that need to actually happen? No. But then at the same time, I'm looking at someone like Sir Ronan and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, in atonement. What a performance, like what an amazing, <laughs> like what an amazing yeah. actress. And you don't want to stop somebody who is yeah. genuinely, unbelievably, scarily talented from doing something that they're obviously amazing at. So th- I don't know where, what you're, what you can do, like what can you do moving forward yeah. from this? Like, and, and it should be a lesson, but I don't think you ever learn. Of, um, that makes me think of like Miley Cyrus, who... Mm comparably to many people in that kind of generation who went through those kind of you know tv shows and album releases and tours like I mean I would say that hers was probably one of the most demanding careers of all of those and again like not really there's we've never really seen a massive controversy I'm not thinking of any I mean she shaved her head and she embraced her sexuality on an album like clutch your pearls people like oh, she likes else. to smoke weed oh my oh, god, god. <laughs> a legalized drug no don't do it um but like you wonder then was that the fact that her family were in that industry and her dad was on set and maybe that it's just I I think it's the idea of it when I and I remember actually when Saoirse Ronan was nominated for the Oscar for Atonement I remember it so clearly because I remember there was a group of girls in, in my school and in secondary school who were really into drama like would do all the exams and all all that stuff like really 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 into it and they were we, I remember every just being like she's our age and she's nominated for an Oscar what are we doing with our lives and we were like 14 we were like what's going on and but I just remember that like being so envious of the space that she had found herself already at that age and now I'm just like there's such an ickiness that goes and there's such a gamble that goes along with being in those spaces and And I don't know how do you safeguard how do you do that like if you're looking at like the everything to do with me too and everything you can't even you can't safeguard for adults so let alone children but we should be doing more people in that industry should be doing more to protect child stars you know from whatever like it may be whatever is out there in the industry but or whatever is in their home you know maybe it should be a case of okay like at a certain point you have to take them back and go relax you're not you're not going to you're going to go into school from age whatever to whatever like finish high school you know finish secondary school at least yeah and then you can do whatever you like after that maybe there should be some kind of rule yeah homeschooling doesn't work guys the amount of stupid actors you've seen have been like at least come out with the biggest amount of dog shit and you're like I know they were homeschooled (laughs) I'm sorry but like there's homeschooling and I'm sure there's some good homeschooling done in other places but majority some real good homeschooling real good homeschooling I'm sure like if your mom is a teacher that's good stuff but you know what I mean like I just don't think that that kind of stuff works and it doesn't work as well if you're not around your peers yeah if you're on set all day and you're just meeting adults or other little actors you're going to be so obnoxious and yeah you know, just you need to be it's like it's or... like when you meet someone and you know that they were the kid that their parents always treated them like an adult. Mm. They're just an asshole. They're just an asshole. You're yeah. just like, I don't like you. They're like, I like had you. sushi when I was seven. It's like, shut up. Like, I never had a you, fish Peter. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, on to our next story, which I saw you tweeting about this week. Um I mean, in disappointing headlines, this is really, really up there. Johnny Depp has secured a guest slot in Rihanna's upcoming Fenty show, which is due to premiere 
on uh, Amazon Prime Video on November 9th. So is that... That's when is that Wednesday. Wednesday. Mark yeah. your calendars, guys. Um, Deb will be featured in the show's star moments, similar to Cindy Crawford's appearance last year. Um, and he will be the first man to appear in the Savage X Fenty history. Um, Mm. What he's yeah he's modeling the brand's men's collection he's already filmed his cameo um and this is just a part of the kind of rehabilitation tour that he's been taking since uh-huh. his high profile legal case with his ex Amber Heard um he first returned to TV in earlier this year he appeared at the VMAs as the MTV Moon person um he's also been cast in as King Louis in an upcoming film he is returning to his directing duties on a biopic which is co-produced by Al Pacino like he's absolutely getting back in the game he's starting to bring that cash flow back in what and- are you talking about he's been cancelled what are it's, you talking about? But <laughs> it's like cancel culture, obviously, right? <laughs> it's wild, right? And I think the wild thing about this is the last person that you would think would associate with this kind of person is Rihanna. I, mean, I think like the way she has p- played, like pitched her brands and done her marketing has been flawless. Mm. And she has never... She has never deviated into kind of dodgy territory. She's never had any kind of questionable stories linked to her brands or her businesses. This is like caused a lot of outrage and rightfully so. Yeah, fucking hell, Rihanna. I mean, we're all rooting <laughs> Come for on, you. Riri. I mean, after seven years away, you give us this fucking tepid ballad that sounds like a Leona Lewis project. And so now you're going out of your way to rehabilitate this meldy embarrassment of a human yeah. being. Like, He's like someone who has been asleep at the bottom of a field in Glastonbury since 1976. Like, I'm dying to see this man model these this underwear for sure. We all are. I mean, it's just oh. absolutely not. I just think ASAP Rocky has rotted Rihanna's brain. Um, and I'm going to blame him. I'm going to use him <laughs> as an excuse. It's always the men. <laughs> depressing behavior. Like, I, I just, I don't, I like, from what we know of Rihanna, and what we know about Johnny Depp and what we know that is fact about yeah. Johnny Depp. About and this how- is the thing, right? There's, there's, there is gray area and there mm. are, there are definitely, there's definitely gray area and you can lean one way or the other when it comes to him and Amber Heard, but you cannot deny the the literal facts of some of what was brought in that case and he did not he was not innocent like through no. through and neither was she but, but like this narrative text messages like to say that he oh. wanted to burn her after he raped her so whatever you think or whatever you think you think Sandra yeah. Uh, about him a yeah. he's captain jack sparrow's not gonna fuck you no matter yeah. how much you support him on instagram or whatever put as many love hearts around photographs as you like of him it's not gonna happen <laughs> i just think his fans are deranged i deranged. loved johnny depp do not get me wrong when i was growing up yeah. he was my man i had posters of him all over my wall i had no you know, in my homework notebook like when I, he was i just thought oh he's so he's different he's yeah. a rebel he's, he's real got edgy soul, yeah, he's, yeah. Role. he's got the soul of a poet you know and he was going out with you know went on rider and kate moss two of my absolute faves and i just you know now i'm a grown woman and i can look at this case in a way objectively 
And I'm not a crazy person that would, I, that's what I don't understand. There are all these like, the women that support Depp, his fans at the moment, and it's mostly women, yeah. are not the women that you expect. It's like, you know, someone that you used to work with, ma'am, who's like there on the internet going, like spreading all this vile hate. And I just think that for Rihanna to associate with him is, yeah. is to advocate for his behavior and as someone who's a survivor of domestic violence, which Rihanna was with Chris yeah. Brown, I think that's what's shocking everybody. That's what's shocking was on another level. Like, it's And there's so many people commenting, saying that link exactly that you just made, that obviously we know about the high profile instance of domestic abuse that Rihanna suffered when she was with Chris Brown. And there's so many people commenting being like, survivors support survivors. And it's like, p- please let's not conflate what happened between Rihanna and Chris Brown with what happened between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Like, mm-hmm. like for, for a very brief overview, there are tons of podcasts that go into the case in detail. And if you don't know the details and find yourself kind of sympathetically re- wishing Johnny Depp well, just look into it a little bit more and, and just even look into the parts, as we've said, that have been proven to be true. Um, but following their divorce in 2017, Johnny Depp sued Amber Heard for 50 million over an opinion piece that she wrote for the Washington Post in which she described herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse. Um, Heard then countersued him for 100 million, which then led to that really explosive trial that we saw mm-hmm. play out over, was it like two weeks or three weeks? Yeah. Um, but the original trial against the son in the UK. Took, yeah. yeah. At being accused of being a wife beater. That was, you know, she won that as in like, I think it was like something like 14 out of 15 instances that they went through. They actually, the court agreed were Amber Heard. Yeah. Uh, The evidence. But that was less, that was less kind of high profile, I guess. It didn't have cameras in the court. Didn't have cameras. Yeah. And and there was people allowed, like, I mean, fans could go in and sit in the court and watch a day's Mm -hmm. proceedings. We saw so many pop culture kind of uh, commentators online go to to where it was on and report daily on their Instagram and things like that. In the end, both were found liable for defamation, um, though the jury awarded significantly larger damages to Depp. Um, Also, can I just say, though, that jury, just to say, they were allowed to go home, um, which I think is nuts. They weren't sequestered, which meant that they could look at everything online. And they could see the way that the public was going. And the public were vehement. I had it was to, crazy. I it had to put crazy. all of my social media accounts. Now, this is real world shit. Like, well, loads of my uh, social media accounts are locked up because people were nuts. And I did a podcast about it before, just solely about the case. And it was vile. Like, it was crazy, the abuse that was coming uh, from these fans. Like, they're they're unhinged. Like, um, so can you imagine if you were the jury you can't be impartial. You cannot no. be impartial. No. I'm sorry, because you're afraid when you come home and you're looking at everything on the Internet and how intense like the, the feelings of the fandom and, and people out there was. Of course, you're going to be swayed by that. And I'm sorry. I just don't think it was exactly fair. Yeah. That trial, to be honest yeah. with you. But like, apart and, she, that, and she's she's um, what's it called? She's um, what's it called when you when you. Well, like, she's appealing. The, appealing. Yes. Yeah. She's appealing yeah. the verdict. Um, yeah. And she's dropped her legal counsel. I think she's got new legal counsel, Amber Heard has. Um, mm. So that's obviously going to be another, if if it gets to, to another court, that's going to be another kind of shit show. But that's why there's been so much outrage about this move from Rihanna. Now, the show, as we said, is airing on Wednesday. It's a pre-recorded cameo. Who's to mm. say that it might not be cut based on the backlash? And I think 
it wouldn't surprise me just given how well the marketing teams are at Fenty and, and the teams that work alongside Rihanna, notably Ali Alexander, who was a brand ambassador and had previously collaborated on a Savage uh, by Fenty campaign on social media, announced that he would no longer be wearing the brand after he had heard the news about Depp working on the upcoming show, which I think, look, I don't think that's a real damaging move to Rihanna, but I think it makes a really clear statement about yeah. a brand that before that was one of the most one of the best examples of an all-inclusive brand, right? Exactly. Like I think she's created such a beautiful, such a beautiful brand for everyone to feel like they have a touch point in. And it, like that, she's really risking that here. Like it was so cool. Like I remember like listening to the whole podcast and reading about like the demise of Victoria's Secret and just, you know, how tacky that was and how like really, yeah, it, it just like completely the antithesis of what, you know, the Fenty X brand was and how excited I was about the brand itself and just saying, yeah, this is modern. This is like for everyone, for every size, for every gender, you know, for everyone. Like it's so inclusive. And then to have this is just, it's it's just sad. And I think it's just trading on the fact of like, you know, oh, it's controversial and like he's a rebel and we don't care and we're so out there that we should support him kind of thing. But like, I mean, it, there's so many other people. I know yeah. it's a slot that is like a legacy thing. So I know they had Cindy Crawford one year, one year and they had Erica Badu. But like you, you could have Keanu. You could yeah. have Frank Ocean. You could have Nicolas Cage. I don't care. Like there's so many <laughs> I want to see Nicolas Cage in a side I mean, like I, I, would, I would rather see Nicolas Cage yeah. go around in a banana hammock than see whatever. Or subscription fee. <laughs> Whatever crusty piece of whatever Johnny Depp is going to have his nads covered in, I don't want to see it. I don't want to be a part of it. And I just think, you know, look, Johnny Depp is going to be fine. Like to all of his fans out there, it's going to be okay. He has your support. He has all these roles, like we're saying, that he's doing. Those Savage, Dior by Savage ads have gone absolutely nowhere. I'm I'm, I'm seeing them every third ad now. I mean, he's touring with Jeff Beck. Like he's... Fine. fine. So if he wasn't in the show, it's not an issue yeah. of, oh my God, it's cancellation, cancel culture. That man is going to survive. No Do you what. think, even if she removes him now from the from the finished show, is it enough? I feel like that it has to come with a statement, right? Like I feel like yeah, she has enough. to make a statement. Yeah. Like I, I, I want to know just, the reasoning behind that. I want to know. Wanna, yeah, she needs to walk it all the yeah. way back if she's going to take him out, right? Like you can't yeah. just hope that that's enough exactly I want to know like I mean was it a team thing who on the team like she seems to be pretty involved I'm making yeah you know she's always said how involved she is with every step of the branding and everything around the branding and and the label itself so it 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 does lead me to believe that she was involved in this I mean she'd have to sign off on it so it's not as yeah oblivious to you know the choices that are being made and yeah it's just and I also feel for people that are part of the show itself and because it's been pre-recorded and maybe they wouldn't have known, obviously, about this edition and like how annoyed they must feel if they don't want to be a part of it as well. Like That's so true as well. Yeah, people who are already in there, like, mm. uh, but, you know, the brand association for them as as people who are stood alongside. I don't know. I just think it's it seems questionable that she hasn't already come out with something given this has been rumbling for quite a few days yeah the um, silence is definite on this it one. is isn't it I feel like maybe we'll get something like the night before or something but I 
it will truly be shocking if she just leaves it in. I I think I'll re- that will really how much damage does this do to her brand? Like I think Rihanna has kind of elevated herself to to a place of utter security, but this has definitely yeah. been a crack in in the kind of pristine public appearance that she has. Like she's so for me, like I would always be like, oh, Rihanna's the coolest. Like she could never yeah. do anything naff. Like she's just so above it and she's so smart. And like yeah. I used to love back in the old days of Twitter, like we're all her clapbacks and stuff. Like she was always so funny and sharp and just got it. Like and yeah. above the kind of ridiculousness of, you know, she was never mired in the ridiculousness of celebrity in one way. Um, and she always like plowed her own furrow, like her own path. And I think maybe that's why she was like, well, I'm going to support Johnny Depp because, you know, it's it's the thing that they won't expect me to do, which I think is now kind of making me think, oh, God, Rihanna, you just like everybody else. Like, are you just, yeah. you know, doing things for like a, it's shock value? I don't know. Yeah, like, it's a real it's hit that. and a miss, isn't it? Like, I feel yeah. like after that case wrapped and you saw people coming out just posting Johnny and stuff, there's just so mm-hmm. many celebrities that you were just like, oh, for the, like, how are you? Exactly. And, and then you I saw so disappointing one by one when the fans did that really weird thing where they all paid money to open the files. Oh, and, yes. And then there was loads of other they stuff. They crowdfunded the, the yeah. documents to be released. And it was a lawyer, wasn't it? She set up a crowdfund. Exactly. And, which fans paid for. Yeah. And then they got all this stuff about Marilyn Manson and him setting up a rape cave. And Marilyn Manson saying like, that. Truly read the receipts it's honestly it's and this was stuff that was deemed kind of irrelevant to the case so Mm -hmm. didn't make it into the case and again that is very questionable and that's part of the reason why Amber Heard is appealing the verdict because she believes a lot of this evidence should have been included and when you saw all of that stuff coming out then you slowly but surely saw loads of celebrities who had liked his Instagram post about being free and everything unlike it you know and then so we've been through that so now you're kind of thinking, well, Rihanna, were you not watching? Were you not listening? Yeah. Well, she's busy having a baby, I suppose. Maybe nobody told her. <laughs> Maybe it's the baby brain. <laughs> Maybe she's like, oh, God, I can't believe it. Beyonce needs to have a chat with her big time. Who does? Beyonce, get on the phone. <laughs> tell her, this is not how you handle your business. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I mean, we'll see. Like, look, it should be out Wednesday. We'll see if he makes it in. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I know you don't watch this have but I've watched wa- the, yeah I've watched the first two seasons okay uh, we're, we're going into to love is blind hmm. um not so much the the couples and the new season and all that kind of stuff because I know that we have spoke about it briefly on here and I've spoken to a lot of you guys on Instagram about this um yes they're all fucked and none of them should be married I totally agree with everyone who said <laughs> that um but we're more getting into the controversies that are linked to this show a lot of which will make sense to you Jen uh, having seen previous seasons and other people and um, but we'll try and run through them the most recent one that is in the news at the minute is um the story of Lauren Speed, who we remember for the first season, she married um, Cameron in the first season. They are still married. They got married in 2020 um, and two years later, still together. Very much kind of the image of how successful this show can be. There's yeah. two successful marriages from the first season They're both um, that are still together. But Lauren and Cameron are definitely like the kind of the first place couple from there. Um, she has been kind of tweeting along with the new series and 
she has spoken out against producers uh, at Netflix about the most recent series and generally the kind of three season run. She tweeted saying, I don't like how Love is Blind is cutting all black women. How come they always have them in the trailer, but never on the show? I know it's slim pickings, but about 85% of these couples are forced um, just for moving for just moving forward for entertainment purposes anyway. And then she says, y'all could at least force some more sisters to move forward throughout the show. So I think she's talking about like the original lineup of people that come in in the first kind of episode or two. Mm. We don't get to know about 50% of them because they eventually don't make it into the final couples. Um, And many of those people who don't make it forward are people of color, mainly black women. Mm -hmm. And Lauren is probably one of the most visible black women from the show, uh, having made it all the way through to the end. So it's really interesting that she's speaking out. I mean, her links to the show are continued. She talks about it all the time. She's definitely not, um, you know, she has not really thrown major shade at the producers of the show before. So this was kind of notable. Um, Nick Lachey, who hosts the show with his wife, Vanessa, has responded. He called Lauren's comments a fair observation, adding that he can understand where she's coming from with it, but said he's not sure what exactly you can do about that, except continue to cast with diversity, which Netflix have done. <laughs> it's, I mean, look, it's a tricky position for Nick to be in, given he has absolutely no say. Nothing to do, yeah, he yeah. has nothing um, to do with it. Yeah. But like... It sounds like spoken to, you know what I mean? I'd be yeah. like, this is a decision that I don't get to make, but I fully appreciate where she's coming from. And I do think it's something that needs to be looked at. Don't exactly. be wishy-washy don't be on it. Like, yeah. And it also sounds, I don't know, it just sounds like the party line of going, look, uh, Dave told me to say this. Like, and yeah. it just, you know, he could have said something like, you know, we will have discussions about this. You know, we've fallen down on this and you know, I mean, at least he kind of said, yeah, it is. It's something that is happening. Like he admitted that it is something. But like we've this is nothing new. Like yeah. we've seen this so many times at Love Island contestants, like even this year with like, I mean, Ikenna, Ikenna and India and then Yuande and Amber so many times that they said like, you know, they didn't get enough airtime or their feelings around the edit, like the edits were less than complimentary, like for their kind of focus and their storylines and it's horrible but it's not that surprising like we've even seen it like with something like Drag Race like they were accused of the exact same thing and they're really diverse I would say on Drag Race but like you know they were saying that a lot of the the black queens like don't get into like the finals and I know they've had like black winners like um but it's just it's the same I think as well with like We've seen with Real Housewives. We've seen yeah. Real Housewives of New York. We've seen someone like Ebony come in as an addition, but is not allowed to be a real housewife in the in the same way as the rest of the cast is. She's almost yeah. cast as like a woke scold or a scold and there to educate the ladies. And like it really is something that speaks to the audiences of these shows themselves and their ideas around race or the perceived audiences of these shows. Because I think reality TV, especially American reality TV, was really TLC kind of reality TV was the first kind of home of that outside of places like E! Um, and MTV, where it was like, you know, TLC reality TV was the one that was back to back, like shows like, you know, Toddlers and Tiaras and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was seen as white middle America. They were the audience that watched that show. But they have to realize that, you know, reality TV and the audience has moved on so much since then. And the majority yeah. of viewers, I would say, for 
like a lot of the shows, reality shows in America are African-American audiences and or are audiences that are not white, you know, that are not being catered for, are not being yeah. seen still. And it seems like such an antiquated thing that um, I just can't believe that it's still happening, that we're still just getting all white casts or the focus just being on, you know, white couples and, and white characters. And like, and if they're not, it's like the the character, the non-white characters are the angry ones or, the, yeah. you know, the ones that are stirring up trouble or, you know, that kind of thing, which is just so reductive. And, yeah. you know, and it's something that definitely, definitely needs to change and, and quickly because like that's the, their biggest audience that they're using. Yeah. And I think there's always that response and it's such an easy thing to reach for. And like we hear it all the time with Love Island, but specifically with this as well, of this idea of like, well, maybe they weren't, maybe, maybe the people of color, maybe this person didn't have a storyline that was of interest. Like maybe this, and it wasn't worth showing. And it's like, but it's not, it's beyond, it's beyond that. It's beyond what that top line stuff that you think it is. They're and also not- it's your responsibility then to like, as we've seen, with so many white contestants to push them into storylines then yeah. to create storylines around this them. This is it, right? We've seen, we've seen this time and time again. I think Love Island is a good example, obviously, because there'll be a lot of people listening who have listened to us on my pot on paper before. Mm. And we see it all the time. People with no st- storylines, quote unquote, being a, a dominator on the show. I mean, like, mm. p- like uh, tons of examples of people who really haven't got anything happening but are yet filling so much airtime. So it's not about the storylines. It's about production and it's about what they want to facilitate to make it to the edit. And I think Love is Blind, yes, I get that there is definitely a huge call of people after the first two episodes and you kind of only attach to 50% or less of the the original group. But there's so much filler in the first two episodes of little conversations here and there. And rarely is that filler even the, the... black contestants or the minority groups that are on there it's always the same kind of usually white kooky women or you know super masculine guys especially from Netflix because it's very much that like American audience that they have in mind exactly and it's just it's it's beyond when maybe they, they weren't doing any anything entertaining when has that ever stopped production featuring sorry like Gemma Owen Show me Teddy one Mellencamp. clip where she fucking, <laughs> yeah, or one clip where Gemma Owen entertained us this season exactly. on the island yeah. and show me how many hours she got versus someone like India who yeah. was a star. Or in Canada, and we never saw. We just never saw him. And even like Ovi, who made it out as someone who we all adore and I think is one of our, everyone's top, one of their top Love Island contestants, they really didn't understand or capitalize on his popularity. They didn't get it. They were pushing other storylines, other couples, and they yeah. missed out on what a genuine audience feeling had for him, like a, that, a kind of fandom that grew up around him and they really yeah. didn't take advantage of that. And it's, you know, it kind of makes me think, do they just think, like do Netflix just think, well, our audience are racist, so... We can't show like, and that's really sad. And it also shows that like, this is why we need like, not just diversity casting, but diversity behind the scenes on the crew, on the production team. This is why we need that. And I hate when people are like, you know, oh, it's like anybody, anytime, like it's the focus is on like anybody non-white in in a reality TV show. It's like, oh, this is just, you know, wokeness. They're just filling a quota. And it's like, no, there is a genuine audience out there that wants these stories. And if you don't want these stories, these people's stories 
you've got to turn that around and look at yourself. Like, this why do you, no, why right? do you like, just want to watch bland, bland white people? Like reality TV is meant to be at its core representative of the audiences that are watching it, right? Like it's meant to be the whole idea of reality TV is watching our lives on screen and what that looks like and how it plays out. And if there's someone watching it who's like, I don't want to see these minority groups on reality TV, then yeah, you got to literally just turn the camera back around and kind of reassess where you are in your life. I just find this top line stuff of like, oh, well, maybe they weren't entertaining enough. is just bullshit to me. There's so much more evidence to show that that is kind of irrelevant production will mm. support the stars that they want to support um this isn't the only controversy that love is blind has had to face off in recent years um earlier this year i think in the summer another contestant from the second series um announced that they were suing netflix over allegations of breaches of labor laws jeremy hartwell who you probably won't recognize because didn't make it into a final couple alleges that producers encouraged the cast to drink alcohol while limiting access to food and water and underpaid them. Hartwell told CNN at the time that he had to try and fight the effects of sleep deprivation after long hours of filming under bright lights. Um, His lawsuit reportedly seeks for um, unpaid wages plus financial compensation for missed meal breaks and rest periods, as well as an unspecified monetary sorry, as well as unspecified monetary damages for unfair business practices and civil penalties for label co- labor code violations. Now, Netflix have obviously denied all these allegations and said they're going to fight this case vehemently. But again, it's just like more drama that's been really mm. squat. I remember this story breaking. I was like, this could take the show down. Like, this is really bad. Serious, and like, it, yeah. I mean, look, who's got a bigger budget than Netflix to fight this kind of stuff? But... Really, well, it's just really another spot. chink in Netflix's armor in that way yeah. where people are really focusing on them and their business practices and you know mm-hmm. when you're seeing them laying off loads of their staff and like a lot of those staff were you know people of color and people like uh who were like a lot of their LGBTQ staff were let go as well and like yeah. when they had that drive during like you know 2020 for diverse um employees like this is and then they all got laid off like so this is another kind of level of yeah. really kind of focusing on what the hell is going on behind the scenes at Netflix but I also think it's definitely something that we are aware of with regards to reality TV as a whole I mean I think reality TV stars are treated people that go on reality TV they're treated kind of like they're like the students of television like you know the way it's like oh sure who cares if like 19 people live in this house it's grand like just throw yeah. another student in there they won't mind they won't mind if this hostel looks like a pack of shite and like they're served crap breakfast like I've been watching a lot of four in a bed today that's why I'm using <laughs> all of those references but like just stuff like that so that's the way like reality TV stars yeah I mean, like people that get into reality TV are treated. I remember like Willem uh, from Drag Race on his podcast, Race Chaser, talking about him and Latrice Royale on their season at one stage getting served like these pizzas that were like just inedible, like they're completely frozen and then just throwing them in the air like Frisbees. Like, I mean, this kind of stuff. Like, and then, you know, with Big Brother back in the day, they used to ply the contestants with drink and just let them do whatever they liked like and just see the fireworks going it was the same with Love Island until everything happened with Love Island as we know and I think a lot of these contestants are now understanding that the power the power that they have with the increased platform that these shows give them and I think there's no telly without them like you know and that was the thing with like Made in Chelsea and uh Towie like even like they were saying before the uh, their main cast were saying before oh we forget about 
50 quid a day for filming or something like yeah. that like, which is mad when you it's think crazy. about it like yeah. imagine someone just handing Gemma Collins 50 quid and going that was great enough thanks really. <laughs> good job Gem. now she would absolutely spit in their yeah. face like and she, it is you know well within her rights nobody in Made in Chelsea needs to be paid first of all can I just say because they're, they're also rich it's crap yeah. I don't care they're about fine. them but like this is the thing so we do kind of treat people that get involved in reality TV very differently to their actual acting counterparts like and the thing yeah. about it is Reality TV is getting so much more popular as in there was something like a story this week that they were saying, like, you know, people are tuning out of soaps more and more these days. They're not watching Carrier yeah. standards anymore because you have reality TV. And so if that's the case and it is becoming yeah. a kind of soap operas and they are soap operas, yeah. surely they should be treated, you know, better than they are their working practices have to you know be improved for sure yeah. and I think there's still that attitude of you know because most of these shows you've either applied or been scouted there is this idea of like well you brought it on yourself you chose this and it's like mm. well hold on I, I also brought this job on myself that I work in 95 in if exactly. the conditions are shit there is that my fault because I signed the contract like it's the same just because they signed up for it for maybe reasons that you think are you know for vanity or, various, or, like, or yeah. whatever that doesn't negate the fact that they deserve to be treated with respect and care like there is mm. a duty of care here um, that's why I used to be always so sympathetic now I've kind of changed slightly my view on it but like I used to be so sympathetic when I see reality stars you know when their time ended on the show like when they were doing like promoting their pooty and whatever I'd be like oh yeah good for them like you know what else are they supposed to do because I remember like very rarely you'd see like a star from Big Brother or whatever go back to their normal job because yeah. you just can't. But I think more and more, maybe you should consider probably doing that because not yeah. everybody is going to get a deal with Pretty Little Thing. You know this what I mean? Yeah, there's, just, there's, there's no, no room. Sorry, so, yeah, there's no like, room. There there's no room. I can't. Um, we won't get into their their body diversity stuff. I was going to talk about it briefly. Um it's also a mess. I spoke about it briefly when I when I mentioned Love is Blind as my love of the week last week or the week before. Um, it's um it's a mess. Um quickly, <laughs> let's quickly summarize what's happening at Twitter right now. Um kind of <laughs> scary, right? Like, it's kind of scary. I've tried to like be that person who like avoids it because I'm like, I just don't want to let all of this information in because it's just upsetting. Mm. But basically. Elon Musk obviously bought it for like 44 million billion dollars or something, tried to pull out of the deal, then was forced to go through with it, has on Friday announced that he called 50% of the workforce. Um, I saw on Twitter today something about that some people received redundancy emails when they actually weren't being made redundant, so they've had to apologize to those people and bring them back. They're now going to be charging for verification on there. So it's going to be a monthly fee to keep your verification status, which obviously brings into question a lot of their kind of policies around authentication and keeping the platform somewhat honest and moderated. He's obviously said a few times in statements that he is, you know, focused on keeping moderation there and protecting the platform. But we've also heard him speak about his love of free speech uh, and people's right to say whatever they want. So questions about whether the likes of, you know, Donald Trump and those kind of people will be allowed black on the platform are realistically worrying. Um, Several employees have tweeted who have been who have been let go. They've tweeted about uh, 
large teams that were dismissed on Friday, um, mainly teams focused on human rights and global conflicts, another team checking algorithms for bias and how tweets are amplified, and an engineering team devoted to making the platform more accessible for people with disabilities. All of those teams reportedly, according to these people, um, have been made, all of those people have been made redundant. Um, he also, Elon Musk, fired a number of top executives and the company's board of directors on his very first day um, in power. Um, Co-founder and ex-CEO Jack Dorsey, who many people will know from Twitter, um, tweeted saying, I realize many are angry with me. I own the responsibility for why everyone is in this situation. I grew the company size too quickly and I apologize for that. So seemingly taking some of the, and acknowledging that there was maybe a realistic um, decision made about redundancies. Elon Musk said that they were losing more than $4 million a day. It's insane. And it's and it doesn't feel like a very stable platform right now. No. And it feels like it's it's starting to swing back to where it was kind of 10 years ago. And it has a lot of people shopping around for an alternative. Because mm-hmm. I personally, I do love Twitter. I really enjoy Twitter. I've created a lovely echo chamber for myself on there. I get all of my Real Housewives goss. I get my nice influx of politics that I want to hear about. Like, it's perfect. I really enjoy it. And it creates a platform for people like me and you who are content mm. creators, journalists, where we can communicate with each other. I mean, we I linked with you first, I believe, on Twitter. Many people mm. who I've had on my pot and paper have been people I've connected with on Twitter. It opens your network out in such a great way. And now it's about, there's so many people I'm seeing, people who who we've probably worked with or whatever, who are like, where do I go? I'm moving to Mastodon, which I just got an account on today and I'm trying to figure that out. Like, what? What's going on, Jen? It's horrific. It's so scary. It's like an abandoned fun fair. That's what it yes. feels like at the moment. Oh my God, like, yes. It's horrible. Like cranking the speed to like a dangerous <laughs> level. And you're like, this is exactly. actually fun and it's actually quite scary now. You're like, mom, please. They want to get off this ride. It's horrible. Like My belt's um, not secured. Like, yeah, no, I don't like, like it. Like that time on the Rambazamba in Funderland. I don't want to do this anymore. Funderland is very secure. Sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. Just to say, but uh, no, it's just, it's weird. It's horrible. And like you said, like, I'm like, we're all scared because it's like, we have made a kind of like, that's emphasized our jobs. Like it's, it's um, like, I wouldn't have like the, the career per se that I would have had without Twitter. Like, um, and it's like, especially for people in the media, I think um, the media has been like a really close shop for so long, as in like if you, it's only you only get in there if you're in the know and you know somebody, you know somebody or, you know, you're rich or whatever. So like to have all these different voices, I think, coming through and ending up on, on Twitter and ending up, you know, in the media has been amazing. Like and I discovered so many people like so many like you know, black writers I would never have heard of or, you know, and like LGBTQ like creators I would never know and artists I would never know because of it. And I think it's been a really useful resource for anything like that. And that's what's scary because we've been told for so long to like, we should be, this is the only way you can actually survive in the media world is to amplify your voice through Twitter. That's how you get jobs. When that's taken away from you, you're kind of like, well, where do I go? I just shout into people's letterboxes, my nonsense, (laughs) and I go, hi, I still exist. Like, that's like one side of it that is kind of scary for people. And people have made genuine friendships and relationships and all kinds of things on Twitter. And then to see it being turned into this mad, like unregulated mess is is really kind of sad i know we always called it a cesspit anyway because it was full of 
also weirdos. But like <laughs> at the same time, there was enough genuine fun people and nice yeah. content to keep you there. You could balance it out. Yeah. Exactly. And now you're kind of getting into a situation where he's saying, oh, well, we could give anybody uh, a blue check. And like, I know people are like, oh, blue check people, whatever. Like, I don't have one. I don't care. But like, like at the same time, the reason why it's important is because it's verified as in, yeah. if you are saying you're from Channel 4 News, like you should be saying, basically you think you would be saying facts. So yeah. if anybody can get their hands on a blue tick, they could be saying any old shit. And yeah. like we've seen that with, you know, the rise of stuff like, you know, conspiracy theorist stuff, Reddit stuff, like QAnon rubbish, how that fake news, which is the fake news, has taken hold of so many people. And a lot of people get their news from social media. So to have that taken away and have anybody use that kind of stuff is worrying, yeah. is concerning. This man must have the smallest dick known to mankind oh, to truly. be doing this. Because, I mean, why would you waste your time? You have so much money. Why would you yeah. waste your time on this stupid platform? Because people were slagging you off on it. He bought it because people were slagging yeah. him off. Basically, and I mean, like, he didn't even want to buy it in the like. It must no. be so hard if you're someone who's just been made redundant by this man, who was basically forced to buy it because he spoke before he actually investigated what he was wanting to buy. And it's like, okay, so now you're telling me I can't on my job, even though like three weeks ago you were trying to pull out with this deal. Like, mm. make it make sense. It's just, it is it's scary. And I mean, I was doing a bit of a look around today into the alternatives of like where we're gonna go if this mm. does fucking go up on fire. I started a Mastodon account trying to figure it out. Cannot for the life of me. It's so like, confusing. It's like, because so it's made confusing. by, this thing is made by nerds and, and good luck to them. Love them all. I'm yeah. on it. But it's like going, oh, you need to go through this entrance to find the wizard's key and then yeah, you will be I'm allowed like, into this level. And you're like, I don't, what? I just, just want to talk about hot men. That's all I want to <laughs> talk about. Like, <laughs> let me say to Patricia Alamey. Damn you, so, Elon. Like, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Like, and it, it kind of reminds me of like, remember when like Marge Simpson made her own Coke that time? Like, Coke Oh, yes. Yeah. And she's like, you know, it sticks, it sticks to the sides, but it's still drinkable kind of thing. That's what that feels like. Ostalon feels like that right yeah. now at this moment. It's very confusing. But, but look, it's getting a we'll huge influx of, of new signups. So you would imagine over the next month or two, if we continue on the path that we believe we're going to go on, mm. the the value of mass sites like Mastodon is going to skyrocket. So then yeah. hopefully you'll see an investment well, in how it works. Also, I'm kind of hoping that the people that were let go, maybe they don't want to ever think about social media ever again. None of us should. If I was like, if I had a healthy brain, I probably yeah. would never be on social media. If I was, you know, happy, I probably wouldn't be on social media. As much. <laughs> I love people that are able to live without social media. I think they yeah. are the dons. But like also because we think we need it for our jobs, we, we need to keep a hold of it. So that's another reason. It's why so we're hard, panicking. isn't it? Because, because we do, we do genuinely need it for our jobs. But then that is a slippery slope of, you know. How, when do you get off? Because like, you know, like as in I'm on there for work and I'm like trying to find guests or I'm trying to find, you know, people to information for something or whatever. Yeah. all this. And then you're like, oh, home hacks. And then it's like five and you're like, whoa, no, I'm not working anymore. And it's like, so it's a slippery slope for people totally. like you who are on there all the time and need to consume a lot of it for work, but then also just end up consuming so much other shit. Yeah. But I am hoping that maybe those people, some of the people that were let go might band you together and make their own in a, in yeah, 
you know, fit of revenge. It would be yeah. nice. But maybe they just don't want to do that forevermore. But I just want to say, yeah. people comparing Elon Musk to, to Kendall Roy. Absolutely not. This is no. not Kendall Roy behavior. I want yeah. to correct you all. I've seen that in too many places. And I'm like, that Kendall would never do that. I'm people sorry. are just so quick to make like a little fucking meme where it's like, it's like, mm. no, just stop, just stop. It's such a step reason. away from succession. Leave it just alone. It is nothing it alone. To do with that man who's just a big baby. Leave uh, it alone. Yeah. Quickly, we're going to th- go through our loves of the week. I have one to mention. I am so late to this boat. And so many people were telling me that I'd love it and I just didn't get on it. Um, And then we finally did it yesterday. We had a bit of a like stay on the sofa all day and get takeaway type day. And we just binged the whole season of The Mole on Netflix. I don't know. Have you seen it? So many people have told me to watch that. And it's loads of people that I really like and that what I like all the same Same. stuff. So I need to get on it. Like Iris Madison Madison is obsessed with it. So I'm like, look, anything Iris says. I'm into it. So I mean, yeah, it's just, just and what, what I will say was we finished the whole series and that was not the intention. But like once you start, it really is one of those things that you kind of want to stick with. It does take a couple of episodes for the like functionality of the game for you to kind of understand how it works. But I will say the pacing on it is really, really good. You do genuinely believe it's certain people like your your belief on who it is really moves throughout the series so it's I don't think unless I'm as thick as two short planks <laughs> I don't think it's one of those ones where from episode three you're like oh it's obviously him or it's obviously her um you do kind of go on the ride a little bit more um so yeah just love that that was such a good like if you want a bit of a, chi- a a bit of a chill tv show but there's a little bit of investment and when it's done it's wrapped up in a nice bow and you're finished with it Mm. If you haven't watched it Because it's been out For like three months It's really good See like There's too much TV That's the bloody problem You're like Three months It's been out yeah. three months I'm like oh and my god I'm to- so behind I was talking to Louise McSharry On her podcast this weekend mm. And we were we were saying That there's so much telly Mm. So then we always just divert back to housewives because we're like, oh, we just know it will deliver. You know, exactly. Like, what it's if so I invest in something new and it doesn't deliver? I could always just watch the housewives and I know it will. So like, yeah, oh, it's yeah, it was good to watch something, something different. Jen, what have you been loving this week? Well, mine is actually it's not old, but it's been out a few weeks as well. But I just really thought it. I mean, it's a weird thing to say you enjoyed it. It's um, a friend of the family. It's on now TV and it's on Sky, but basically it's the drama based on uh, Abducted in Plain Sight. So if you have not seen Abducted in Plain Sight, just do it now. It's on Netflix, the documentary. Um, Sorry, this is so me. Sorry, sorry. I I did not know this existed. So this is like (laughs) uh, like not amazing. It's obviously a horrible story, but like the documentary is like mind blowing. The documentary is mind blowing so much so like I used to work with a girl, like if I had my own kind of, James A. Caster, classic scrapes. All of mine would be stories about like the nine to five jobs I used to do in horrible places. <laughs> but I used to work with a girl when Abducted with Plain Sight came out first. A girl called Elaine. Love you, Elaine. She said <laughs> to Elaine. Shout out to Elaine, wherever you are, I miss you. But she said to me, You've got to watch this documentary. Oh my God. She said to me, Look, you'll be 30 minutes into it and then you will text me. And I was like, no way, bitch. I've been watching, doing true, you know, true crime stuff. Nothing can shock me. Like I wrote a book about Charles Manson when I was 11. You know, come on. It, it takes a lot to shock me. And I swear to God, as exactly 30 minutes into that documentary, I remember pausing it screaming. At yeah. The 
her. And we started our own WhatsApp group about it, where it was like a pyramid scheme, and we'd introduce another person to it. Wow. And they so this is the drama based on, and you're kind of thinking, does it need a drama? But it actually works out so well. Jake Lacey is in it from The White Lotus and Girls, and he does a really good line in horrible, all-American, creepy weirdos. And he plays B, yeah. uh, the next neighbor. And it's just shot in this mad way. It's real gauzy 1970s. It's almost like the Brady Bunch. It's really like it yeah. kind of looks like a, a proper sitcom, an old fashioned, like American, all American kind of sitcom. And it kind of pulls you in because you're almost as innocent as the Brobergs. Then you're almost yeah. at his mercy as well. It's really clever the way it's done. I thought it was so well done. The, the young actress who plays Jan is unbelievable and I'm I, just looking yeah it's such a good cast Colin Hanks is in it Anna Paquin yeah. McKenna Grease is Jan is she mm-hmm. she's in she's the girl in Handmaid's Tale right or am I getting her mixed up with the girl she who looks really is. like her yeah no she is but it's like so it goes there's a like a younger Jan as well who's played by somebody else and I can't remember her name it's Hendrix Yancy yeah, Hendrix here. she's brilliant yeah. like um but it's just done in such a way that it, it kind of sneaks up in you because you're kind of watching it going oh this is so nice in a way. And then yeah. it's really creepy and eerie when he starts making the moves on Jan and all this stuff. Like, I don't want to say too much about it because I want people to watch Abducted in Plain Sight if they haven't and then go do, straight. Do you think you should watch Abducted in Plain Sight first? Yeah, because yeah. you need to see it and go, what the fuck was going on with this family? Because that's <laughs> what everybody felt. Because yeah. you were like, are these just dumb dumbs? But then when you see the drama... Because Jan Broberg was involved in the drama, in the writing of the drama, in the oh, production. Okay. She does this really weird message at the start where she's sitting on set herself and she's like, hi, I'm Jan Broberg. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's really Holy weird. Shit. Where really are you weird. watching it, Jen? Did you say Now TV? It's on Now TV. It's all up there on Now TV. But the thing is, so I think this drama is trying to explain the vulnerability of the family and how innocent they naive yeah. they were. And they were so, they were big time Mormons and Mormon believers yes. and it kind of kept them yeah. naive. Um, so it does along a good way of explaining why the, you know, the family were they yeah. were. How and they I think that's, first. that's yeah. important, I think, to get across, definitely. Yeah. It's really good though. Okay, great. Right, we're going to go to the listeners for our final um, bit of contribution. We were talking about Love is Blind earlier. There is no shortage of terrible, terrible, terrible humans on there. Uh, This series, I think, more than others. And it got me thinking about who people's least favorite reality TV stars are. Mm. Um, And we got some good ones. Um, Okay, so we're going to breeze through some of these. If any stand out, please, please do interrupt. First up is where we start uh nasty nick from the first big brother he wasn't even that nasty but he was the first reality tv villain it's so true his nastiness would not hold up today not at, <laughs> at all. all it's like it's junior level nastiness yeah. like but it was so shocking at the time my sister came home with a printout of an email to our house and was like nasty nick is getting kicked out tonight i'll never forget it, it was like such a weird <laughs> it's like, wild it's wild it's so nuts. like oh, uh, this is why i worry for big brother fans heading into the new series it'll never live up to that no. That kind that of hysteria. No, it was yeah, mental. No, like he's iconic. Um, iconic. He villain. is iconic. He is yeah. like, and I just think it's just so funny when you actually see what he did. Like he brought in a pencil like, and a piece of paper, lads. That's what he did, basically. <laughs> oh my like, god. 
Someone said, I'll never forgive Tom for being an arsehole tomorrow on Love Island. Yeah, well, that's true. You said it, Tom. You did. You said it. (laughs) It gave us so much, though. Without him. So much. much. You know, Maura really ripped him a new one. And that's what we remember about it. So, like, we need the villains to give us the stories. This is it, right? And, like, I think that that monologue from her... Like I'll I'll never forget when they were all sat in the dressing room and Molly May has her hands like over her <laughs> face and Tom is like stuttering and Maura's like uh uh you walk I you walk, Tom, that. I, that's right. one of my all time favorite or something I was like <laughs> she's like, gonna she scratch the head off him oh my god she was so great but in that moment it was like she had elevated oh so good so good so yeah Tom I get it anyone mm. from California someone else says. Mm, yeah, um, well, yeah. Less said about that, the that, better. <laughs> that witch Carlton from Beverly Hills. <laughs> Beverly Hills. <laughs> she was the worst, but also the best worst. I kind of love oh, watching her. Like, so good. What did she say? Uh, what did she say to Kyle when she was like, "Don't you silence me, or don't you?" I can't remember. She was such weird language. Like, it, was it was so was, odd, but I kind of loved so her. So odd. Oh no, iconic. Um, random one, but Ronnie from Jersey Shore, his pictures alone can now annoy me. <laughs> um, who else have we got? Kim Kardashian. I just cannot abide her. She needs to get in the sea. I just don't. I just love. I love I Kim. Kim. She's one of my I love, I know. She's I like my Kim. biggest, my like greatest love, and my greatest, the greatest monster in my life as well. But I, I, oh. you know who, you know yeah. who's bad. Kendall Jenner is bad. She because this yeah. is the thing, right? I like people that bring value. To reality TV. So if you're, you know, a villain, a real villain yeah. brings value. Kendall Jenner brings less than nothing. Get rid of her. She's a nothing. She's nothing. Yeah. Give us nothing, yeah. girl. She gives us absolutely. No, I'm the same. There's so, there's so many people like that, isn't it? Like, uh, and it's, I'm having this argument with a friend of mine over Dorit on the Real House of Beverly Hills mm. constantly, where she's like, I just love Dorit. And I'm like, but she brings nothing to the show. She brings nothing. Well, and I mean, like, she I, I don't care. She came in times this year, though, in fairness, that what a line. Oh, come loved here. It. That was such an overrated moment. Like, <laughs> I loved it. just like, I was like, oh, are we going to harp on about the wind chimes for the whole reunion? I'm sorry. I just, I, either give me villain or give me legend. I, the mm. middle ground. That's and like, it. Sometimes you need the low-key players. Like I think on Love Island, there's weeks where there's people who are low-key, but then they kind of come into the fold. If you're mm. like not giving anything for the whole season, on whatever show you're on, yeah. out you get. Yeah. Um, who else? Jamie Lang. No reason. He just int- he just irritates me. I love Jamie Lang. I've such a I soft spot Lang. for him. I think he's an actual sweetheart so in real life. Like, I, I think love, he is. Yeah. And Grace like Dent really likes him. And she, I love Grace Dent, so I trust her judgment. There you go. Steve, lots of Stephen Bear. Stephen Bear. Stephen Bear would be actually my number one. A vile human being. Yeah, horrible. Horrible. Boot him off. Yeah, any show he's on, I just feel like I'm getting STDs through the screen. Yeah. Uh, it's recent. It's recency bias. But if Billy from the most recent Love Island was on fire in my garden, I'd close the curtains. <laughs> That's so hateful, but also I kind of get it. Brilliant. Lost. Right, we'll pack it there because there's quite a few others. A lot of Stephen Bears. Um, and they're all correct. Good ones. So <laughs> they're all. Yeah, there was no wrong answers to this one, guys. Well done. Mm. You all passed. Um, Jen Gannon, thank you so much. I feel like this the stories this week were a little bit heavy. Mm. But very interesting to get your takes on. So I appreciate you sticking along for the ride. Um, it's always so lovely to chat to you. I'm glad Love that you, you say you. you're very busy at the minute, which is really good to hear. I'm very busy uh, watching a lot of laborious TV, like The Crown. Um, so that's 
that was taken up a lot. Oh my God, is the preview, is the preview, the media preview up on Netflix? Yes. And <gasps> I, I've one oh episode God, left and I'm going to watch the very last one tonight. So I oh, miss- yeah, sorry. There's, there's, for anyone who doesn't know, there's media previews on Netflix. You can get access to the press center and you get mm. episodes a little bit early. That's why a lot of content will come out the day of it arriving. Um, Oh my god! I have I need to watch it. I hadn't checked in ages. That's out this week, right? It's out on Wednesday. It is I think, or Wednesday. Wednesday. I will say I miss Josh O'Connor so much. That's so good, wasn't he? He was so the best. Can, I presume you can't say much. I presume there's an embargo. I'm not allowed to say anything, really. I, all I can say, I mean, out of no, ten, can you give like an out of ten? Mm, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm weird about it. I think I'm gonna give it seven. Okay. Yeah, I'll give okay. it a seven. But like, just all I can say is that like. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different because the whole cast is different. And that's the main thing. And it's how you respond to the new cast is probably yeah. how you feel about how successful it's going to be for you. Like, And I yes. miss I miss season three and four, those people. I loved that cast. But like, yeah. not to say that it doesn't have its merits or whatever. I think people will find it really interesting because it's a lot, it's gossipy this season. And it's the stuff that a lot of people will have some Remember. collection of. And yeah. I think that could play in its favor, but also against it. I think some of the enjoyment of the earlier series was finding out these stories that you had never heard about and then the exactly. googling of it of like wow did that actually happen and what was the real story so I I guess that could play against it and for it oh I didn't realize it was up on the media so I'm gonna watch it um, when, is the embargo, when does the embargo lift do you know um I think it was well I hope it was today because I was talking about it on the radio this morning <laughs> a little bit so I think it's today I think it's okay. today the reviews the American reviews have come out now I think so. okay so you're saying seven out of ten yeah yeah just I mean for me like I just think Diana needed to be in it more all along the way. Oh. They, it's only Diana heavy because Diana's my obvi- obviously fave. Yeah. Um, the only episode, like the kind of last two, three episodes, she kind of comes into it more. Okay. And there's always one episode of The Crown where you're just like, I'm just going to fall asleep through 90% of this. And the one that is this year's one is a real clangor. You're like, oh God, oh. you know, you could be talking about so many other things. And I think, a lot of the time it's very gossipy, but also I think he thinks he's going to get into a lot of legal issues and trouble. So some of the stories that you might think are going to be the bigger stories actually fade into the background, which is important. And where does it leave off season five? Where, what time? So we, uh, Diana is, basically the Diana death will be season six. Okay. So we're, is- we're left off in around 1995. Okay. Okay, cool. Mm. we shall see Jeng Annan thank you so much for that little teaser as well I appreciate that oh, really? um, thank you. that's my viewing for the week sorted um, always such a joy to talk to you I'm delighted that you're booked and busy love to hear it um, hopefully the fall of Twitter won't impact that so. please God someone uh, let's I, all I move over to Mastodon yeah. <laughs> yeah. follow me over there so I can shout about things over there to you please please let me do that please for the love of God <laughs> thanks Jeng <laughs> Thanks so much to my guest Jen Gannon for joining me this week and thank you to you guys for tuning in each and every week. You can find us over on Instagram and TikTok at don'tquoteme.podcast and you can also find us on all of your favourite podcast apps so you can listen whenever and wherever you like. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode and all of the latest goss. We'll talk to you then.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to Amazon.com slash news ad free. That's Amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.